Vegas. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We cannot open the phone lines again today. There still is a problem, so bear with us. This be available as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Take notes, uh, keep them, and we'd love to uh, have a conversation with you when we get this matter resolved. So please pray for it to happen sooner than later in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Terry, we are being streamed live on KKVV's website. That would be www.kkvv.com. Again, that's www.kkvv.com. So we're being video and audio stream. We're going to wave to you. Hello and God bless. And we're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website, which is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, please go to the website, www org. Select any date that you'd like to listen to. The gospel is always free on our watch. Also, we're being archived on iTunes. So if you have an Apple device, you can listen to us well uh, as well on uh, iTunes. And it's free as well. No charge for the gospel. Now we are back and we're doing part two of Roman Catholicism versus biblical teaching. Or we talked about doctrine, theology, and the man that you see in the chair is my dear friend, mentor, and pastor, hardworking man of God. That would be Pastor, Senior Pastor Joseph E. Terry Jr. I'd like to call him Pastor Terry. How are you, man of God? Blessed, blessed, Sister Nina, and uh, just want to Say hello to all the listeners. Uh, a little disappointed that we don't have the phone lines. I'm sure there's many people who want to comment on the subject matter that we're on, uh, extended from last Sunday. And I definitely like talking to people and getting feedback on their views and opinions. We are all theologians in our own rights. That don't mean that all of us have good theology and I like to get it straight, and if I'm in error, I want to be corrected because I don't want to leave and not have it straight. Amen. Amen. I often use this analogy in Bible study when I'm teaching that you wouldn't want a surgeon who was a D student cutting on you, (laughs) and you definitely want him to cut straight. 
Amen. And that's really what Paul is talking about over in Second Corinthians, not Second Corinthians, but Second Timothy two fifteen, when he says, "Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing." The word of truth, rightly dividing, is cutting it straight. Amen. And that's what we want to do on Save the Lost at All Costs. Also, Pastor, when we come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as his disciples, we have a mandate on our lives. Amen. And uh, there's a standard that he sets and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. So uh, it's very important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to what we do or what we don't do, and uh, we will be held accountable for commission as well as omission. Absolutely. So it's important that we get it right, uh, that we align ourselves with good teachers. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that uh, we stay in fellowship with those who believe so that we will always come from a position of strength and not weakness. And I would hope that everyone would want to be an apologetic man of God and a defender of the faith. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, clarify those phrases and those statements. You know, some people listening think when you use the term apologetic that you're talking about somebody, you know, being apologetic as in apologizing to someone for something. But uh, you did say defending the faith. But, you know, there are individuals listening to us that this may be the first time that they've heard us. And they may not even understand what that term is referring to. But, you know, it's about being a defender of the faith. And it's more important, I believe, once we begin our walk in Christ to understand why it's necessary to be a defender of the faith. The Word of God really don't need any defense. The Word of God speaks for itself. But the fact that there are groups out here, and while they are sincere, they are sincerely wrong and that causes problems because then we get mixed information and then we wonder if what we were told if what we heard if what the preacher was saying if what we read in the bible is actually holding water is it really sound and that's what's important we want to make sure that the doctrine is sound and there's a lot of folks out of here that they sound good the good orators good motivational speakers, but when it comes down to biblical theology, they don't meet the mark. And we want to make sure that folks can get it somewhere and get it right. And you know what? You know where they can get it right? They can get it right on Save the Lost at All Costs. Amen. Well, Pastor, we also have to uh, take into account that the Bible that a lot of us are using is a transliteration. So there is the original language that the Holy Scriptures came down. So the thing is, is that there are things that we can use to study to make sure that we are actually getting it correct. Because there are a lot of different um, Bibles out and people are, you know, swearing by them. Right. Now, actually, what we're using is a translation. That's the reason why we want to go back to the original language when necessary so we can get transliteration because we know that when there's language involved that if there's an interpreter there's always something lost Mm -hmm. in the translation and so be it with the various different versions of the bible 
regardless of which one you use and as you know you can use the authorized version which is the king james or the revised standard versions and then some folks are using um what they're calling bibles and actually there's been changes made to it that really has nothing to do with inspiration which is what god breathed is you know when we look at uh second timothy three sixteen. When it says all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, uh, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. Well, we know the word inspiration is the word theonoustos and it's God breathed. If people reading from an NIV would actually say all scriptures God breathed. So often we run into people that have formed opinions and views based on some faulty translation that they're utilizing. And that makes it difficult to really get across to people sound doctrine when they're using these faulty translations that are out there. It, it's too much human element involved in it. Mm-hmm. And we know that God breathed into the prophets. He breathed into the apostles. And they spoke or they uh, recorded based on what God breathed forth. Amen. Amen. Into them. So, um, so we're going to pick up where we left off. Uh, Pastor, do you want to speak about what you uh, pulled out from when you were at seminary? Or yeah. do you want to go back to where we were to... Um, well, we, we absolutely need to. Uh, of course, I know we were talking about uh, Roman Catholicism on last Sunday. We was talking about the doctrinal issues and the type of program theologically that they are pushing okay so, if, if i can put it that way right for, for now someone, we left off what I somewhere said, mary is the co-mediator to whom we can entrust all our cares and petitions that would be under roman catholicism catholicism, catholicism. i know it's hard to pronounce right but okay. you know what I want to do, and under biblical teaching, or shall we say, doctrine or theology, mm-hmm. it has Christ Jesus is the one mediator to whom we can entrust all our cares and petitions, and we have scripture to support that. Now that's under biblical theology, right? Well, biblical teaching, theology, doctrine, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I would rather use the term biblical theology. Okay, um, but. What I wanted to do, because I, as I listened and as I spoke and shared with the people on last Sunday, I kept hearing a theme, and it really came to my attention that there's a various similarities between Roman Catholicism and the theological positions that people of that sect take versus Arminianism. Matter of fact, not versus, but there's a comparison between the two. Well, I think you better tell them what Arminianism means. Yeah, right. I know I, what it means, but because you taught me. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but, but here's what I wanted them. to do. I wanted to talk about uh, the traditional Roman Catholic theology. And I know that there will be similarities in what I will share to what we shared last Sunday, but I think I just want to make sure that we set the tone for what I'm going to share with them from Arminianism, 
But you uh, also have Calvinism there, too. Well, yeah, I have Calvinism, but you know what? We probably won't even have enough time to get through um, all of these. Now, what I have here is um, the, the points. Um, I really have only the third through the fifth point on Arminianism as well as Calvinism. And not that the first two points aren't pertinent or important, but that's what I have today because we already were down to a certain um, point in the material we were sharing from on last Sunday. But I just wanted to go through this traditional Roman Catholic theology that I pulled out of uh, some of my old material uh, when I was in school. That would uh, that, be seminary, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, for those that are listening, I'm a graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I have a master's from there in church and community ministry. Now, did you actually go to the institution yeah. or did you do it online? No, I didn't do it online. I was present on the campus. Okay. There's something about Southwestern when you step on the campus. Well, at least when I did, I could hear angels singing. But that does not mean that the usual elements in our society wasn't still present there. I, st I dealt with racism, uh, still dealt with, you know, the isms there, you know, uh, the factions, still dealt with it. But that didn't negate the fact that the place that I was at or where I was standing, in my opinion, was holy ground. Um, but getting back to this, the nature of theology. Theology is constantly evolving in its understanding of the Christian faith. The Ignatian principle of Accommodation and J.H. Newman's principle of development reflect the changing nature of Roman Catholic theology. Catholicism trait, Catholicism's trait of change is due mainly to the authoritative position given to church teaching. Now, here's Revelation. Revelation. The Bible, including the Apocrypha, is recognized as the authoritative source of revelation as well as tradition and church teaching. The Pope also makes authoritative pronouncements ex cathedra from the chair on issues of doctrine and morals. These pronouncements are immune from error. The church is the mother, guardian, and interpreter of the canon. Many post-Vatican II Roman Catholic scholars have deviated from the traditional teachings of the church in this area, have embraced higher critical perspectives on scripture, and have rejected the infallibility of the Pope. Now, already, we, we got some problems here, okay? <laughs> um, to begin with, the Apocrypha is not inspired. No. The Apocrypha is not God-breathed. So when it says the Bible, including the Apocrypha, is recognized as the authoritative source of revelation, well as 
tradition and church teaching. It the apocrypha is those books of the Bible that people refer to as the lost books of the Bible. They're not lost, people. If they were lost, we wouldn't know anything about them. But they're historical at best. And even the information, the historical information, is questionable depending on what it's addressing. But they're not inspired, not theonustas, not God-breathed. And that is the reason there's a problem when you read something like this, and especially if you have someone who's preaching and teaching that the Apocrypha is uh, the equivalent of or equal to the Bible when it comes to inspiration. That's just not true. So that's a problem. That's problem one in what we're looking at. Uh, and the Pope also makes authoritative pronouncements ex cathedra which means from the chair, on issues of doctrine and morals. Listen, the Pope is not infallible. No, he's a man. He's not inerrant. Only scripture is infallible. Only scripture is inerrant. And we could say the same for the Godhead. Those are the only persons that are infallible and inerrant. And, and, but you got individuals who, this is what they are resting upon when you're looking at authority and when you're looking at authenticity, infallibility, inerrancy, and then inspiration of scripture. And it's just errant. Well, the, the, the thing it's is errant. about that also we have to understand there are many popes. There's only one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this will change based on how the Pope is. There's a big difference. Well, as soon as there's another guy that replaces him. Right, right. And, there's and, there's and, a big difference between the last Pope and the Pope that's the Pope now. now. Now, here's another one. The church is the mother, guardian, and interpreter of the canon. Well, we know the word canon means measuring rod. And it's what sets the standard, what we have that makes up the 66 books we call the Bible is the canon. That That's that's what it's referred to as. Well, also their definition, <clears throat> excuse me, of church is different than Holy Scripture because that's not talking about the ecclesia. That's not talking about the called out ones. Well, here's the thing. Not at all. There, there's only one interpretation. I received. And if we go to Second Peter, matter of fact, would, would you would you go there? Second Peter chapter one. We're going to read uh, verses uh, sixteen and on, and that's one of the reasons we have the type of issues that we do in the ecumenical uh, community. Okay, I'm in Second Peter. I'm chapter one. So you want me to start at the first verse? No, start at verse sixteen. All right. All right. I'm in Second Peter chapter one, verse sixteen, and the Word of God says this. I'm coming from the New King James Version. Sixteen. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty. 17. For he received from God the Father 
honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 18, and we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. 19, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. That says it right there. Keep reading. 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man. Well. But Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit would be uh, the pneuma or the wind. And it puts you in the mind of a sailboat. And the wind blows into the sail and moves it in a specific direction. Now, I know they have the rudder and everything. But without the wind to blow into the sail, then there is no movement so these men could only act or could only be moved by um, the fact that the Holy Spirit blew into them now I, I just got a message here somebody's asking a question about um where did I find the term Godhead? Well, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I hope this is not a preacher. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I, I hope this is not a preacher. Um, because if you turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. All right, let's Let's go. read that. Let's read that. Since we've got the, I mean, this is... The matter we own, I think, is, well, everything is important and everything is serious, but I think this is more serious. But read that. Okay, I'm in Romans chapter 1, and you said verse 20 in the New King James Version. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. When it talks about the Godhead, it's talking about God the Father, God the Son. And can you believe there are people out there that, that don't understand that before there was Jesus, that it was God the Son, Amen. who's from everlasting to everlasting, infinity, has no beginning and no end. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. Uh, there are some people out there that don't know that. Well, the thing is, and, is and, that and listen, I, I want to make this clear to the listeners. I'm not putting anybody down. What I am saying is that people need to spend more time studying the Word of God, and they need to sit under people that are teaching the Bible versus people that are using the Bible to hustle, or using the Bible to, uh, you know, put their message out, eisegeting. Sure. Reading into it what they wanted to mean because they're trying to uh, hustle folks. Yeah, we um, talked about that last. We week. don't have that problem at Save the Lost at all costs because what we're doing, we're not doing it for a hustle, amen. But I want to go back to where we left off when we were talking about the revelation. Now, 
it says many post-Vatican II Roman Catholic scholars have deviated from the traditional teaching of the church in this area, have embraced higher critical perspective on scripture, and have rejected the infallible or the infallibility of the Pope. And that's the right thing to do because they were in error, and anybody who does follow that teaching is in error. You can't depend on some man. You can't even depend on the church because the church, half of the folks in the church are sick and trying to get well. Matter of fact, when I say half, I'm being, uh, I'm being kind. I'd say 75% of the folks that show up in the church have so many issues that they can't hardly get into worship. They can't hardly get into Bible study. In other words, their hearts into it and their minds into it so that they can really uh, be sponges and soak up the information and really grow to where they should be as believers in Christ because they got so many other issues. And you know what? They go often to somebody's worship setting, some uh, worship center, because we know that the church is not a building. Isn't that right? Amen. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones. The people make up the church, not the location. Amen. But we know that there are individuals go to these places, and because of the lack of maturity, uh, the lack of exercising uh, scripture in one's lifestyle, you have individuals who are in positions of authority that aren't living right. Uh, they definitely aren't modeling the word of God. And then they lead people astray. And when they do, they break their hearts. And many people leave the church and say they'll never darken the door of another church because of what happened to them. So just because it's a nice edifice and you walk in and it's all lovely inside and plush and everything, look everywhere that you have believers gathering, the devil shows up too. Or he send his demons to show up. So there's always opposition. You always are in this warfare, this spiritual warfare. You're always in the middle of a battle. And so we need to be prepared. The only way we can offset that is scripture. Amen. So the next thing that I had here is salvation. Boy, this is a big one right here. Because I just had here a few weeks ago a young lady who uh, I was talking about uh, the perseverance of the saints, which is the fifth point of Calvinism or the doctrine of election. Sure. And she, I mean, was just shaking her head. I asked her, well, why are you shaking your head? She said, because that's not true. She's telling me that once saved, always saved is not true. So if if Jesus says that he gives to his sheep eternal life, what is eternal is eternal forever? Now, I don't know how long eternity is. I just know it's a mighty long time to be separated from God. And I want to just go quickly to, I told you we wasn't going to have enough time. Uh, John chapter 10. Now, I want you all listening out there to listen closely to this. We're going to we gonna start at verse 25. We're going to start at verse 25. All right, you're going to go ahead, right? You're on the roll now. I had to, I had to get a drink here because my throat was getting dry. I don't want to. You're, you're on the roll. I don't right want now. it to close up on us. The Holy Spirit got you. you Jesus go answered them, I told you and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. 
but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they shall never. Watch this. There is the word the optimal word right there. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. What else do you need to believe? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my father are one. He couldn't say that if he wasn't omniscient, know everything, omnipotent, have all power, omnipresent, not while he had a body. He wasn't omnipresent. But after the crucifixion, and then the ascension, where he went back to heaven, it says that he seated on the right hand of the Father. Now he's back in that omnipresent nature. But that's, so, that's where he was originally. He came down absolutely. to do the work. He descended. Right. To do the descended. Wor- to do the work. Yeah. And then he went back to where he always sat. See, correct? The, well, let, let, they, let, well, hold on, because they... I, they, I'm, I'm, they getting ready to make me bust out in this theological warfare. Uh, we need to really take this in consideration. Watch this. Now, this is about salvation. This is traditional Roman Catholic theology. Saving grace is communicated through the seven sacraments, which are means of grace, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, deal with intuition, into the church, or I'm sorry, initiation into the church. Penance and anointing are concerned with healing. Marriage and orders are sacraments of commitment and vocation. Well, first of all, all this stuff here, grace, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, listen, there's only one thing that the Bible says has to happen for us, number one, to receive the Spirit, and then to have the baptism of the Spirit, because you know you got the the charismatics out there, you got the the Pentecostal persuasions out there saying, no, you got to tarry and wait for the baptism of the Spirit, and then you have to speak in tongues as uh, you know proof that you have received Him. No, uh, that's not what Jesus said. Matter of fact, over in Romans 10 and 9, where it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, that you will be saved or thou shalt be saved. It didn't say you might. It didn't say you could be. You, it didn't say it was possible. It said it's going to happen. Amen. And then uh, verse 10, Romans 10 and 10 says, For with the heart one believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be, not could be, might be, uh, it's a possibility, but shall be saved. And so when this right here says 
that saving grace is communicated through seven sacraments, which are means of grace, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, deals with the initiation into the church. That That's ridiculous. Look, getting into the church... We got a lot of folk that but, show but, but up at that, worship that's, service. That's what you got to do to get into the Roman Catholic yeah, Church. Yeah, but but see here, and, and, and I'm going there. I'm <laughs> going there right now. We got a lot of folk that's showing up to the worship service. We have to realize that everybody in the house is not a part of the family. If you haven't received Jesus Christ, I don't care how good you look. I don't care how uh, smooth you talk. I don't care how cool you walk. It does not mean a thing if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is your personal savior and what what Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me uh John 14 and 6 it, it it's all about Jesus and you receiving him and that other stuff has nothing to do with being qualified to be a member of the church because now we're talking about the Catholic Church, not the Roman Catholic Church and the Catholic Church is the universal church or the ecclesia the called out one, those are the ones who are really a part of the church because it's not a location. It's a body of people. And those people have received Jesus Christ and he's Lord, Master, and most of all, Savior of those people. And this right here is ridiculous, but this is, and they still teaching this stuff. Well, let me say this to you, man of God. In Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 8, and I'm going to go down to verse 14. The Word of God says this, and again, I'm in the New King James Version. 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Ten, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Eleven, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Twelve, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And that is exactly what these things are. These are roadblocks. These are hurdles that you don't have to leap. Now watch this. You think what I read was ridiculous the first time. Watch the second portion of this. And this is under salvation. The church administers the sacraments through the ordained hierarchically, ordered priesthood the traditional view was that there was no salvation outside the church but recent teaching has recognized grace may be received outside the church they're talking about a location now Mm -hmm. they're talking about a building now the building is sacred no no what we go into the building to do that's what's sacred 
you you what what they're doing is making a comparison of the building here to the temple of old in New Testament where the New Testament sacrificial system took place mm-hmm. where they had the holy of holies or the holiest yeah. place. Now, listen, all of that ended when Jesus said it on the cross, it is finished. He wasn't talking about suffering. He wasn't talking about agony and pain. He wasn't talking about any of that. He was talking about the work. Because in the old sacrificial system, in the holiest, uh, holiest place or the holy of holies, there was no place to sit down. But he died one time, and when he died, it says when he rose from the dead, he ascended back to be seated at the right hand of the Father. That's what, it was the finished business. Amen. The work has been done. Amen. I can sit down now. Because it's done. This is the reason why it's so ridiculous for people to think you can lose your salvation. Because what are we going to do? Put him back on the cross again? No, he already handled that. He handled that business. Boy, they're getting me started up in here. <laughs> now, now, here it, 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 it's talking about a, a, a place and it's talking about men and what they do. It's not about what any of us do. It's what Jesus already did. Amen. And then it says, in the sacrament of the Eucharist, the bread and the wine becomes the actual body and blood of Christ. Transubstantiated. Now, you people say we have a bloody religion because we do that. I don't disagree that we use that as a symbol. It's not actually his body it's not actually his blood. But he said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of him. So it's a symbol. So we, you know, just trying to get this straight. Then you have the church. The four essential qualities of the true church are unity, holiness. Uh, then it has Catholicity. And apostle. Um, or apostolicity then fundamentally the church is the ordained hierarchy reaching its apex its apex in the pope it can't be the apex can't be in the pope the apex has to be in the high priest and there's one now only one and it's Jesus the Christ, the mediator between God and man. It can't be the Pope. The apex cannot be the Pope. It has to be Jesus. The Pope is fallible. The Pope is errant. As Romans 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned and do fall short of the glory of God. The Pope's included in those that have fallen short. Well, so, amen. Well, the thing is, is that when we go to Romans chapter three and we look at verses 27 through 31, the word of God says this 27. Where is boasting then? Is it excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from deeds of the law. 29. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. 30. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. 31. 
do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. It comes down to faith. Now, listen Man to of this. God, there's no particular man. You know what? It's it's, it's this simple. It's sola fide. Uh, 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 sola fide. Not fide, but sola fide. Scripture. Sola fide. Then it's sola grace and sola scriptura. Sola Christos. So it's uh, faith alone. Then it is grace alone. Right. Scripture alone, Christ alone, and guess what? The first three come from the last one. That's All right. of it. The grace don't belong to us. The faith don't. Be- the faith don't belong to us. The grace don't belong to us. The scripture don't belong to us. It, it, none of it came from us. It all come from Christ. And 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 Christ was a gift from God. Amen. 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 Now watch this. Organization is built around a centralized priestly authority, beginning with Peter. Really? It should be beginning with Jesus. Now, the authority of the priesthood is derived through apostolic succession in the church. Bishops in Rome have power to evaluate findings of schools and make pronouncements and conciliar uh, definitions. The church is the mediator of Christ's presence in the world. God uses the church as his agent to move the world toward his kingdom. Look, the church is not really, and and this is my position, the church is not really the mediator. The church is a messenger. The disciple is a messenger. Just like the prophet was a messenger. The apostle was a messenger. We're not the mediator. We aren't the ones because people can receive Jesus Christ and have an inheritance in the kingdom of God and they don't have to go to a location to do that. They don't even have to ascribe to any person, any specific denomination to receive Christ and just believe the word of God. So that is not in my opinion, and, my, and this is the position I'm taking, that this is not legitimate when it says the church is the mediator of Christ's presence in the world. Now, the church ought to carry the message of Christ, which is the gospel. But we know, I know where I grew up in L.A. and some of the stuff that went on in churches and some of the pastors and their behavior. And of course, we don't even want to get into what has happened over uh, centuries with the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, and, you know, with all of the sexual immorality and everything that has occurred. Now, I, I don't want those out there who claim they're Catholics to think I'm just picking on the Catholic Church. But what I'm trying to do is get a message out to people who have their hope in eternal life in the wrong source. That you put your hope in Jesus Christ is he's the only way to heaven. There's no back door to heaven. There's no other way to get in. You get in and you go by Jesus or you don't get in. And he said that in John 14 and 6. 
Amen. He's at the door taking tickets. You don't pass by him, you don't get in. <laughs> Amen. Um, the church is the mediator of Christ's presence in the world. God uses the church as his agent to move the world toward his kingdom. Well, I don't know if that's really a true statement there. Because sometimes it is the organization we call a church that run people away from God. It depends on who is standing there and who's giving the orders of that particular organization because not all churches operate the same way. There's a lot of autonomy even in various denominations where you can go to one Baptist church on one side of town and they teach and preaching one thing. You can go to a Baptist church on the other side of town. They teach and preaching something else. You really don't know what you're going to get today. And it's the same with all these various different uh, denominations. There's too much autonomy to just say that, well, we got it right. No, uh-uh. When you go, if they're not teaching and preaching the word of God, you need to go where they are. Uh, well, the thing is, also, you talked about Peter. Um, in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter addresses the Sanhedrin. And I want to look at verse 8 through 12 very quick. Well, this is where we are right here. The, the last one that I'm going to talk about is Mary. And okay. that's where we left off Right. So let's get on the, the other one. Let's get in with Peter because you uh, had mentioned Peter. And Peter Go is, ahead. is very uh, pivotal in the foundation well, of the Roman Catholic amen. Church. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 4 verse 8. Then the word of God says this. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them. Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Nine, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Ten, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel mm-hmm. that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Not, not the name of Peter? No, sir. Whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. By him this man stands here before you whole. 11. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. Which has become the chief cornerstone. 12. Nor is there salvation in any Any other. other. For there is no other name under heaven. Given among men by which we must be saved. This is Peter. And this is the reason why when I see folks coming together of all different religions, because they want to use the term all different faiths. No, there's only one that's really, and I know that there are folks out there that are part of Islam and they listening and they say, well, wait a minute, Islam is a faith. Look, Christianity is not a religion, it's a faith. And we are reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ and his sacrificial act on the cross. Salvation was available when he rose from the dead. Anytime I'm approached by anyone that belonged to any other sect, denomination, or religion, the first question I ask them is, whoever your representative is, whether it's Muhammad, Buddha, or Joseph Smith, Okay, (laughs) for the folks that don't know, amen, Uh, when it comes to the Mormons, you know, who is your leader? And do 
he offer you eternal life? I never get a yes. Because there's only one who's offering eternal life. I want to go with the one that's offering eternal life. Amen. Amen. Check this out. So you're going to get back to Mary, right? Mary. At the Council of Ephesus, A.D. 431, Mary was declared to be the mother of God as well as the mother of Jesus Christ in the sense that the son she bore was both God and man. Now, I agree with the last part of that that's a hypostatic union. Amen. Okay, that's where you got uh, the two natures in one person. Okay, God and man. Okay, but I have a problem with Mary being the mother of God as well as the mother of Jesus Christ. There's a problem with that. So she's now the mother of God the Father? See, now that is just errant doctrine. Four Marian feasts, Annunciation, Purification, Assumption, and Nativity of Mary are observed. That's, that's the four Marian feasts. Mary was without original sin or personal sin due to the intervention of God. Immaculate Conception. Immaculate Conception didn't mean that she was sinless. It didn't mean that. It, she was a virgin. That that was really the the main thing. The, the, the qualification is she had to be a virgin. Okay. Mary is the merciful mediator between man and Christ, the judge. Not true. Okay. That, that that's just not true. So they're okay. putting they're putting three steps in it now. Yeah, yeah. Now okay. So let me do this right quick because we, we're about to run out of time. Okay, so Arminianism Limited atonement, okay? Now, here's what Arminianism has for limited atonement. Christ's redeeming work made it possible for everyone to be saved, but did not actually secure the salvation of anyone. Although Christ died for all people and for every person, only those who believe on him are saved. His death enabled God to pardon sinners on the condition that they believe, but it did not actually put away anyone's sins. That's wrong right there. Christ's redemption becomes effective only if a person chooses to accept it. Well, that is true. But see, it only takes a little bit of error or a little bit of false teaching to pretty much annihilate the whole thing. And that one that I read right before, where it says, His death enabled God to pardon sinners on the condition that they believe, but it did not actually put away anyone's sins. That's not true. No. Okay? Now, we're we going to run out of time because here's Calvin's position or, you know, doctrine of election. Christ's redeeming work was intended to save the elect only and actually secure salvation for them in addition to putting away the sins of his people. Christ's redemption secured everything necessary for their salvation including faith which unites them to him. The gift of faith is infallibly applied by the spirit to all for whom Christ died therefore guaranteeing their salvation. And here's how I explain Calvin's uh, third point of limited atonement is that Jesus' blood is sufficient for all. It could cover everybody. Amen. But it's only efficient 
for those who will receive him. Everything happens. The sin is put away. They've been pardoned. They have eternal life. All of that. Now we are about to run out of time. So I'm not going to even try and do the other uh, two points here. Matter of fact, what I can do next week is bring uh, the previous two points that we left out. I think that Because there's probably going to be somebody who's going to be asking a question. And really, I had three places in Scripture where I wanted to go because I wanted to address this issue about false doctrine. But also, just because people see some grandioso uh, edifice and when they go in the place, you know, it takes your breath away. And then there's some guy who is smooth talking and he sounds so good. Look, you all need to get involved in a real live Bible study where real theological teaching is going on. Biblical theology is being taught. Biblical theology. You, that's what you need to do. Especially if you believe any of the stuff that we were talking about today. And this is not about Roman Catholicism or it's not about uh, Pentecostal, Baptist, Methodist and all that. No, this is about genuine salvation, knowing you have eternal life, knowing that you are in Christ and he's in you. That's what this is really boiling down to. And furthermore, it comes from nobody else. There's no man-made thing that can do it for you. The church can't save you. No. Folk think that if they go to church, if they get baptized, if people no. get baptized and they don't realize, and you know, true baptism is submersion. Sure. Got to be submerged in the water. But listen, if you haven't received Christ and you get baptized, you just went down a dry center and came up a wet center. And you have to know what it is that you're being baptized for. Amen. There's Amen. a lot of infant baptisms. So, you know, that's Means nothing. nothing if you don't There's know a, why. Amen. Well, we're going to continue with part three. Obviously, you heard Pastor Terry say that. We appreciate you staying with us and being patient. And we know the phone systems are going to get put up. We, we hope they'll be up next soon. week because so we pray, know we pray, got folks that want to call. Pray for it to happen. Pray for it. You know, stand in agreement with us and KKVV. And we thank them for what they're doing. We love you and save the loss at all costs. God bless. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit-filled, live called-in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about 
about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what. Why don't you 